poker's legendary champions, next generation stars, and tireless ambassadors of the game, sharing their wisdom and guiding your journey to high achievement on the green felt. This is Tactical Tuesday on Chasing Poker Greatness with your host, Brad Wilson. Welcome, 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 my friend, to another episode of the Chasing Poker Greatness podcast. This is a special Thanksgiving week edition of the podcast. You know, I was all content on taking a week off for Tactical Tuesday, letting everybody enjoy their time with their family, not making my producer, you know, edit an episode. And John was like, no, we can't. We can't take a week off, Brad. They they need us. Um, they're going to be in the airport waiting around, looking for something to listen to or watch. And yeah, we just got to come through. So yeah, I don't want people to be like sitting at their gate, waiting for their flight, like refreshing the CPG channel, wondering why there wasn't a tactical Tuesday out this week. Yeah, it's that that would have came back to haunt us, I'm sure. Lots of yeah. angry, angry emails and messages on Slack and Greatness Village. Uh, speaking of like the Thanksgiving traveling and holidays and stuff, my my wife flew out yesterday from Atlanta and there was like an active shooter. They thought it was an active shooter. Oh, yeah, I read about this. Yeah, it was like crazy. Um, <laughs> basically, there was no active shooter. It was like a gun accidentally discharged because uh, a felon, you know, in very smart fashion, decided to go through a security check with a gun in their bag and, you know, felons can't own guns. And so he freaked out when it showed up um, through the scanner. He tried to grab it. When he grabbed his gun, it went off and chaos uh, rained down at the Atlanta Hartsfield airport. And I got to say, them like grounding everything for two hours, like we were looking at Google Maps um, and it it said as busy as it gets for the airport. Like <laughs> you can't get any busier than it was yesterday with a two hour delay. So yeah, people yesterday at the Atlanta airport, if they didn't poop their pants and weren't afraid for their lives, you know, they could have, could have been watching some CPG, some tactical Tuesday while they're <laughs> laying, laying on the ground, hoping that they didn't get shot. If you too find yourself at an airport this week, like <laughs> with nothing to do for two hours, you can thank us. There you go. Um, I do want to say too, before we dive in, just really quick, there's a lot of people that have helped with this podcast, you know, Chasing Poker Greatness over these last couple of years. And I have not been a great person who has shown my my gratitude and appreciation in a public way, but Chris... Godfrey, the producer for Chasing Poker Greatness, give him lots of love for always being like, you know, I'm thinking about adding a new episode and he's like, yeah, let's do it. Like, get, let's get it done. Let's add more. Um, just always willing to, you know, produce more and more episodes, always turns it in on time, sometimes forgets to edit out the parts where I say, hey, Chris, edit this out. But that's okay. We, we can forgive that. Uh, my assistant, Gwen, Anybody that's bought a course knows Gwen. She delivers all the PDFs, adds everybody to the right place. She uploads these uh, both videos and audio podcast episodes every single week on time. She promotes them on Twitter. She messages everybody. She thanks them. She gets the 
interviews arranged. She does the work, and I'm just very, very grateful for Gwen and thankful since this is Thanksgiving week. Thankful for you, John, for you know making me do this episode when you know I, I tried to to get out of it. <laughs> your designer. Oh yeah. Brandon, my designer who helps with the, you know, the CPG, the ads that you may be looking at on Facebook, um, just the episode designs, Lucia, who helps with the Tactical Tuesday logos, Nuffle, Tactical Tuesday, all the things, you know, very, very grateful for her. Yeah, it's, it's a good team that I have here, and I hope I haven't left anybody out. Coach Thomas, thank you for starting Tactical, Tactical Tuesday. That's <laughs> Um, led to, you know, the the version that we have today. Maybe one day he'll make some sort of guest reappearance. We'll we'll see. But um, yeah, and, and thank you for the audience, the listeners, for loving the show, giving us the feedback. Uh, all the folks that buy the courses, that get private coaching, that you know supports and fuels all this content. Just many many thanks. And yeah, I th- I think that's it. And so now we can actually break down some tacticalness in this Tactical Tuesday episode. Yeah, we've been staring at this King Queen of Clubs for like forever now. Well, you have. The podcast listener had no idea, but now oh, right. <laughs> they've been thinking about the King Queen of Clubs. You put it out there like psychically. Um, let's talk about the setup here. Yeah, uh, so this is actually um, some footage from uh, another one of Brad's uh, students. I don't know. Do we care about naming him? We do because he's not just a student. He's going to be the associate coach at Chasing Poker Greatness. Whenever I take a step back in January, I'm training him up. He's, you know, watching footage uh, of past coaching sessions, um, going to be asking me questions and just coaching him up to help better serve private coaching students so that I can focus on CPG Wolves. So, yeah, Shoe, this is Shoe's video. And, um, now, now you can break it down. Yeah. Okay. So <clears throat> we're playing 500 NL on Bavada, playing six max. We're actually five-handed right now. Chu is in middle position. He's first to act with King Queen of Clubs. He opens to $12.50, folds around to the big blind, who three bets to $40. Uh, Shu mentions this in his uh, recording, um, but this Three bet sizing from the big blind is very, very small and probably indicative of uh, like a weak reg, maybe even a fish. Um, $40 would be the size, $40 or eight big blinds would be the size that um, I think I would mostly expect to see from an in position three bet. And I would expect out of position three bets to be uh, significantly larger than eight big blinds, probably like at least 11 facing a two and a half, two and a half X open. Um, so I think we can already start making some assumptions about the big blind based on his three bet sizing. I think yes and no, because we are 200 big blinds deep here. So we didn't talk about the stack depth, but mm. she was opening. She has like a lot of money in front of him and the big blind had about 200 big blinds. So maybe that influences their three bet sizing. But in general, I, I would agree with you that. Yeah, I think being be. deeper and be and three betting out of the big blind should make you want a three bet larger than normal instead of smaller. But I don't know. That's. I think it I think it's debatable, but whatever. We can debate it another time. Right. Um so anyway, Shu defends with his King Queen of Clubs. We see a flop of ten of clubs, six of spades, four of clubs. There's eighty dollars in the pot, and the small blind 
starts out with the big boy um, betting seventy dollars. Yeah, I don't mind it too much on this on this board texture. Honestly, it's 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 very very big, um, but you could definitely make a very strong strategy with this size being uh, in play as your C bet size after three betting. All right. So the actions on shoe facing this $70 bet into a pot of $80. Shoe has second nut flush draw. Any decision here, John? Uh, don't think so. Probably just pure calling every single time. Yeah, Mr. Mr. John and his not not raising in positions. <laughs> um, okay, tell me tell me why you'd raise the king queen of clubs here then. I, I wouldn't. I'm just okay. saying. <laughs> I, well, basically, as I asked you, I realized, oh yeah, of course he's not raising. Like he's just <laughs> it's it's kind of like a wasted question. But yeah, no no raises here for you. You flop top set, you're just flatting. Yep. All right, so flatting range. Turn is the nine of clubs. There's 220 in the pot. Villain has 900. Uh, SPR's about four and a half. And what does Villain do here on the turn? Let's see. They think for a while and then they go with another big boy, 160. Yeah. Interesting size. I guess it's like a three quarters ish size. Um, I think maybe there's a more of an argument for raising this spot than there is on the flop. Um, although I, I would not be raising turn, uh, but I think maybe because of like stacked up, the fact that we started the hand 200 big blinds deep, we could come up with some reason to find a raise in the spot when we actually have really ha- really strong hands like flushes. And I mean, I haven't really spent much time thinking about what the best bluffs would be, but uh, what do you think about flatting versus raising here? I think it's probably a must flat like villains polarizing here on the turn. Um, it's hard for them to have like jack high flushes. I mean, jack eight of clubs, which is probably not a three bet, uh, seven, eight of clubs. So an eight high flush. I don't know what they do with, uh, with an eight high flush rather. I, I don't know what they do with an eight high flush. I would imagine that they're put in quite the spot when we raise the turn here. Um, and then they have, you know, ace jack of clubs, ace deuce of clubs, ace tray of clubs, ace five of clubs, potentially maybe ace eight of clubs, uh, just kind of depending on their frequencies and their preflop strategy. So like basically they do have um, availability of having the ace of clubs. I, I just don't think that I would raise with this combo. We block the third nut flush. I don't think that's great for us. So yeah, I'm just pure flatting. Yeah, it's just tough to construct a strategy that includes raising here. Just the sound overall sound strategy that involves raising here anyway. So I do think like this, the simplification of just flatting range uh, or flatting your entire continuing range is very, very reasonable. Yeah. So that's what shoe does. Mm-hmm. We get a little... 160. There's five thirty nine fifty cents in the middle. Now the board is six, four, 10, nine deuce. Shoe still has the second nuts with the king, queen of clubs and big blind disappointingly checks. Yeah, nice little deuce of, deuce of diamonds on the river. So no board pairing, no, mm. no shifting. And interesting that the big blind checks here. I don't expect them to check with their nut flushes at this point. Um, I expect them to bet. I expect them to be folding quite often. Uh, I haven't seen these hands actually. So that was something me and John talked about. Like, Brad, should you just watch the hands? And I was like, no, I I don't. 
I like I got, this. I, like I, got, this. I, got, I got stuff to do. You know, I want to come <laughs> up with it like on the fly. Um, I would bet small, uh, probably 30%. And that's, that's what I would do. But what would you do, John? I would rip it, I think. I think, so this was actually a note that I gave Shu like on this hand. I, I watched this PE and uh, just made some comments. And I think Shu does end up jamming here. And, I, and he sort of regrets it because you know, the, the big blind folds. But I think the big blind here is, like you said, just folding a lot. And I don't think that we like get more value from the big blind by like going small than we do from like going big. Like I don't think like there's a hand that the big blind calls the small bet with that like he doesn't at least think about calling the jam with. Ace king with the ace of clubs. Calling? Not so not super concerned about them calling, but giving oh, them like, them an opportunity to to mm, check jam, I mm. think is outweighs to me the benefit of jamming because I think they're just going to be folding a ton. And so like giving them an opportunity to put the last bet in is what I would be going for. That's a good point. I I, I actually now that you've I'm glad that we looked at this hand because you, I think you're right. I think like I was just thinking like, okay, like he's just gonna the big one's gonna get here with like maybe some bluff catchers. Um and probably a bunch of air and so like let's at least put those bluff catchers in um like the maximum like gain spot like whatever few bluff catchers he has but i think you're right i think like what we really want to do is get him to put the rest of his stack in himself and the best way to do that is just probably bet really really tiny on the river i think i'd go less than a third now that you yeah quarter thing. quarter yeah. some like one one ten or most something hope that his yeah. jam will get through and it, and basically make it look like we're Thin value betting, like yeah, yeah. like we're trying to eke out some some thin value with like a set or a straight or something. I, I think that the turn polarize bet for me is sort of what leads me to want to induce because you know when they when they choose to go close to pot on the turn, like they're they're polarizing and like saying, okay, I've got a bunch of like maybe ace king with the ace of club type hands, ace queen with the ace of club type hands. And then I've also got some nut flushes and we don't really care about the nut flushes on the river because like <laughs> we're kind of indifferent because we jam, they snap, um, we induce, they raise, we snap it. We go broke no matter what, but like trying to gain value from like their um, hands with the ace of clubs in them. I mean, maybe they have aces with the ace of clubs too, or it's just something like that they decide to turn into a bluff. Um, who knows? Maybe they polarize with some sort of like six, seven of hearts on the turn and they decide to like go for it on the river. I, I, I'm not exactly sure, but I, I want them to put the last bet in with the bottom end of their polar, polarized range that they bet on the turn. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. Uh, on, now that you bring it up, I, I definitely, I'm on board with that way more than uh, my original suggestion of going really, really big and, and not having a small size here. There we go. Cool. So... Look, I mean, at, tactical Tuesday is important. Yeah, <laughs> what, what would I do if I hadn't learned? <laughs> no, uh, no prep necessary for me. No prep necessary. Um, Coach, <laughs> you, you gotta you gotta lead into the second hand though because I have no idea what it is. <laughs> hard for, hard for me to set it up. Should we go to break first? <laughs> we are gonna go to break. What are, what are they gonna find after oh. the break, John? This is this is the segue that piques their interest. The next hand, Shu is not gonna have a good hand on the river. He's going to have a bricked draw, and we are going to talk about what size he should be bluffing. And I'm actually curious now that I I've, I've been corrected in this spot, I am a little concerned that my comment on 
the next spot is incorrect as well. So uh, stick around and find out if I played both both rivers poorly. <laughs> You've survived preflop boot camp. You've shot the fish in a barrel. Now, prepare yourself for the feeding frenzy. A comprehensive strategy for gutting every fish in your player pool. Data-driven hero bluffs, light call-downs, and perfect value bets that are maximally designed to hurt some feelings. Feeding Frenzy. Available now at ChasingPokerGreatness.com slash Feeding Frenzy. All right. Welcome back after the break that John so beautifully and masterfully set up for you. Let's dive into hand number two. This, you know, spoiler alert, I think we kind of gave away what's going to happen. But uh, John, break, break down the second hand. All right. So this start hand, uh, also at 500 and L, uh, starts with shoe on the button with queen nine of spades. He opens two and a half X to $12.50. The small blind who Shu uh, has covered and, and is, will be the fe- effective stack starts with $660 and change, and he three bets to $55. Uh, just to go back to last time, this is sort of the three bet size that I would expect from uh, most regs in the pool. And, and so I would immediately think that the small blind is probably at worst uh, reg. Um, Unlike the big blind in the last hand who picked the $40 three bet size. So, yeah. um, you heard that, ladies and gentlemen. All you have to do to be considered a somewhat decent reg is just three bet to 11 big blinds out of, out of position. And there he hasn't you done go. anything that I can fault him for. <laughs> he, he, maybe he's not, maybe he's, yeah, maybe he just knows the three bet size and that's all he knows, but that's, could be in, in he's con- off to a better in, start than the big blind in the last hand. Yeah, incognito fish, um, but they're they're doing a good job pretending for now. So Shu does defend with his queen and his nine of spades, facing the eleven big blind three bet. I think you know it's a hand that I would defend with. Uh, you, you just realizing positional advantage is really good in poker, from what I've heard. Position's kind of a big deal. It's actually you you hear it so much that it's like it's such a cliche, but like position, it's even it's hard to like state how important it is you can't even you can't overstate it like however you however important you think position is like right now as you're listening to this i guarantee you it's more important than that (laughs) um more important than i than i know that it's more important than i think it is now is like how like i've just learned every like single time i think like i've have gained the appropriate amount of respect for position like i get put in spots where i'm like oh my god position matters so much more than and I thought it did. Exactly. It, it is just like a really big deal. So Shu calls with this queen nine. He flops a flush draw. The flop is king of spades, eight of clubs, six of spades. He has the queen nine of spades. And villain starts out with a third. Bets $36 into 112. What do you think, John? Calling again. You know me. <laughs> in position. Good old John. Calling in position. Okay. I mean, I guess we won't go into it. I, I mean, it depends on the reg strategy. Like, I think if reg is betting range here on the flop, like I don't, I don't mind raising with some 
some of these hands, I don't mind raising with some like king queen hands. Um, but and then you know our, our sets, of course, like eights and sixes and king eight suited and king six suited, which I believe I would have both of them as well, defending versus three bet. So like I would have raises here. John doesn't. That's okay. Shoe does just call, right? Yep. Shoe calls, and the turn is the jack of clubs. So now we have a gut shot to go along with our flush draw. What does this reg do? All right. Looks like reg bets about two thirds. John, what are your thoughts? Yeah. Um, I don't know. Polar sizing on the turn. This hand is going to open up a whole new variety of draws that the small blind could have. Um, not surprised to see the small blind go big on this turn uh, if he does decide to bet at all. Um, I think Shu has a pretty comfortable flat now that he's also turned a little bit of extra, extra equity to go along with his flush draw. Um, yeah, so just pretty easy call for me here. All right, let's call and see what happens, as they say. So we call, we see what happens. It's a five of diamonds. And for those listening in the audio version, the five of diamonds ain't shit. <laughs> <laughs> it does like nothing. The diamonds from the last <laughs> yeah, it connects seven nine of clubs and spades, so like it does connect that. But other other than that, it doesn't really move the needle either way. Um, there's four sixty one in the pot, and now villain checks and shoes at a decision bet or check here on the river. Um, I guess that's the first question that we'll answer. Not checking. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> we got queen high. We're not going to be checking. So, okay, so we answered that question. Let's move on to question number two of our sizing preference. Yeah, I think that's actually that. That was uh, kind of the main point of bringing this hand to, up to Tackle Tuesday was um, this river sizing spot. Uh, I think if I was playing against, if you were playing against like a like a GTO bot or something like that, I, I, I'm guessing that the sizing uh, that let's say like Pio would recommend here, would just jam with your value and you know, whatever bluffs that you have, like hands like these. Um, in reality though, I don't know that the small blind, I don't think that the small blind actually um, is uh, is elastic to, to sizing at all in the spot. Like I think when the small blind goes bet, big bet, check river, I think that the small blind is folding all his hands to a small bet and folding all his hands, the same hands to a big bet. And so I don't know that the big bet accomplishes anything more than the small bet does here. Yep. I would, I would use the small bet probably a third on the river. Um, and then just play the next hand. Yes. One, one out of two. <laughs> one out of two and it's a small bet bluff on the river which is not a bet that you, you you historically have found very easily yeah that's true i mean i don't like doing it <laughs> it feels it, it doesn't feel great to like give your opponent great odds to to call when you have queen high but i think this spot is is like very unique in in the sense that like it's it just really just sticks out to me as a spot where like the big bet just won't fold out anything that the small blit doesn't already fold out. You know what's sad about this situation? Like, I say that I would use the small bit, and I would. I, I'd probably go about half pot, I think. Maybe a third, maybe half. I'd go a third. 
the thing is, like, if I face a third here, I would call with ace high. Like, ace deuce of clubs, ace deuce of spades, ace three of clubs, ace three of spades. I mean, I may call the half pot. <laughs> I may call the all in. I'm not sure. Like, I, I would actually call with ace high here quite frequently with so many available missed draws. Um, that, uh, okay, going back to like, the spectrum of sizes elastic. we can use. Yeah, see, seems like I, I, I'm inelastic with my ace highs. Um, I, I think like... Which is all we really care about, by the way, like when we have queen high. Sure. Well, because like we beat... The only hand that we lose to is queen 10 high, right? Right. Um, so, yeah, anyway, um, I think we can go with a third. I think it's fine. Uh, and just kind of, again, move on, play the next hand. Let's not overthink this, Brad. Just go small, play the next hand. Um, what does she do? Find out. Let's see what she does. Uh, looks like he's loaded up the clip, and she is going full on barbarian mode of jamming. This um, is usually me. Just, I want to get the job done. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get the job done. Let's fold out these ace highs. Like you said, uh, you know when villain polarizes the turn, like if they have a set, if they have like top two, I don't think they're folding <laughs> to, to the jam. <laughs> so I, I don't think that's like folding out any extra hands. So yeah, I don't really love this sizing choice by Shu. And that's it. He I, does I think, get the fold though. I mean, we should, we should at least give him some credit. <laughs> like, Yeah, but we don't know what they folded. Um, you know, probably, they, probably the worst hand. <laughs> yeah, they, they probably folded the worst hand, right? Like, I mean, there's there's an argument that can be made that like Queen High has it has some showdown we equity. Like, <laughs> yeah, do we have? I mean, I'm actually being being honest. Like, we do have some showdown equity, but we block nine ten. I don't think that's great. Um, we block Queen ten, which I think is good because that's like the best Queen High that beats us. If we have Ace High, I wouldn't bluff the river because I think that we just win often enough to check back. So queen, queen 10 high is interesting because it's the best queen high. I'm not sure that we have to bluff queen 10 high because I think queen 10 high again is probably going to win quite often. So I'm not sure. I could go either way on queen 10. But anyway, any thoughts? I actually thought of that. Like right when you asked me like, oh, what are we going to do on the river? And I was like, well, we have queen high, so we're definitely bluffing. I was like, well, do we? <laughs> queen high is actually not awful here <laughs> yeah we're, we're optimists here on tactical tuesday queen queen high you know in a in a pot that has almost 100 big blinds in it and a three butt pot that went like polar polar we're we're, we're finding like queen high yeah, this could this could be the best hand like we're yeah, we're polar <laughs> on the turn like we could easily have the best hand. <laughs> we could easily win um cool man well another tactical tuesday in the books no rest for the weary and everybody enjoy your thanksgiving holiday Best of luck traveling. Be safe. Have fun with your friends and family. And we will see you next week. See you next week. <laughs> I, I stole your catchphrase. Yeah. <laughs> Peace out. Thanks for listening to Chasing Poker Greatness. You can subscribe on Apple Podcasts or on your favorite podcast app. Go to ChasingPokerGreatness.com to get the newsletter. Join the Greatness Village community book a coaching session or dive into the latest data-driven poker courses follow the show on twitter at cpg podcast